This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we launch into the first hour of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Once again, join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. So, Mark, just got back from standing out all day long at the polls here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an off year, which means it's a local municipal election here in uh, beautiful little Keene, New Hampshire, where we do the show from. And, of course, we've been telling you about um, how Julia, one of our co-hosts on the program, my girlfriend, is currently running for a city council slot here in Keene. And uh, we stood out there all day long, from 8 a.m. till just moments ago. You know, I always wonder how many votes do you get by standing out there? And how many votes do you get by putting out signs? I, I That's don't know. That's a good question. I, I've always wondered. I, just judging by the way people were reacting today, uh, I find that an, a, a fine question. Because most of the people, when you're standing there holding a sign by the voting polling or the polling location right you might as well be a carnival barker as far as they're yeah, concerned they're gonna, yeah. they're, they they put their heads down they shuffle their feet away nobody's saying you know vote for me what everyone is saying was hi how are you good good morning good afternoon just nice sort of greetings to mm-hmm. get them to look your way they don't want to they don't even want to look your way many of them now that now there are some that do and they say hello and they're right. very nice and i just thought to, you know i thought to myself if i were walking by a row of people and someone said hello to me or how are you or you know, good afternoon, I would reciprocate. It wouldn't take more than a fraction of a second. You don't really have to stop in order to do it. But some people seem to, they're just so focused on just going where they're going and doing what they're doing, they don't even notice you. I think I think that, I don't know, I was taught, uh, sort of raised, uh, you know, this... And and I would consider it, uh, you know, sort of a middle class va- American value. Is you, you're, you're scared of hucksters. You're, you're scared of carnival mm-hmm. barkers. You're, you're scared of people who are out there. They're hawking their wares, as it were. And I don't know why, um, but to me, when somebody comes up to me, uh, you know, trying to push their product, whatever that might be, uh, it's it's somewhat confrontational for me. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think that that's what it is. I think it's like, oh, I don't want to engage them be- in the conversation because I've already made up my mind. You know, and I think the vast majority of those people, um, you know, the, the, the uh, octogenarians that were coming to vote today um, had made up their minds already. It's probably true. But but to be fair, mo- many of them weren't octogenarians. I would say that most there some of them sept- were. septuagenarians. No, certainly. no. I'd say most of them were probably later middle-aged. That's what I would say. Most of the voters were. Up in, and some of their, some older voters as well. Mm-hmm. Very few uh very very few in their in their 20s uh maybe a little bit more in their 30s but not by much not by much no so yeah now, I think I, you're right. I, i'm making it seem like i was out there all day i certainly wasn't you guys <laughs> yeah. were out there for nine and a half for something 10 hours or something like that i was out right. there for i put in my hour and a half and i'm gone oh, well you know we appreciate everything you do mark um but yeah i think you're right i think most of those people they know exactly what what it is they're looking for and you know what they're there to do they're probably in a rush and so they just sort of breeze right past you, and they they go do their thing, mm-hmm. and that's cool. So, uh, and, and you know what? I'm not as drained as I expected to be, because I've gone, I've done radio shows, I've done free talk live after having been out at you know four hours out doing some activism somewhere, mm-hmm. and I've just been wiped 
Yeah. And I think the reason why was because there just wasn't a lot of sunlight today. I feel like that sort of, I think that can contribute to just wiping you out. Okay. Being out in the hot sun for whatever reason. It's, you know, you're supposed to get good things from the sun, like vitamin D, but I think it also drains you to some extent. I would agree. If you're, if it's hot out, you know, yeah. it can be, it can sap you. So 800-259-9231, problems with the, uh, the webcam, don't know what the problem is. We'll see if we can iron that out. And as always, lots to talk about tonight. So, Mark, why don't you start things out? What do we What do we have to start the show? Well, um, it sounds like a bit of good news uh, from Nate Anderson over at Arcs. Oh, I can't even pronounce the name of this uh, with this website. Anyway, it's some news um, from the news desk here at ARSTechnica.com. Okay. After uh, running into significant state opposition, the Department of Homeland Security has tried to rescue the controversial Real ID program by backing off provisions of the plan in order to lower costs and reduce privacy concerns. Now the ACLU is claiming that DHS is ditching key standards that will allow Americans to board planes even without a real ID. Okay. We can already board planes without an ID, period, so that's nice. Right, but um, they were implementing the real ID so that you wouldn't be able to board planes without a real ID. And so now they're scrapping that, So according to the ACLU. Understood. Anyway, um... Hold on just a second. I've got something weird came up on my screen. DHS held a conference with the uh, states last month to address lingering concerns about the program, according to the ACLU, which um, talked to participants on the call. DHS announced that the national standards were being relaxed, that Real ID wouldn't be required to board planes, and that the deadline for compliance would be extended to 2015 or later. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the original deadline was 2008. They yeah. had passed this legislation back in 2005, and they said, this is it. Three years from now, every state must be in compliance. And then some of the state's uh, governments came back and said, wait, you want us to do all this, but we don't have money for it. So how can we do all this? And so it wasn't like the states were coming back and, you know, taking a principled pro-liberty stand and saying, no, no national ID. Our citizens won't have it. No, it was just, well, you don't have enough money. <laughs> right. So, you know, regardless. It, it wasn't exactly a rallying cry for liberty. No. But um, but the, the end result is that uh, many states basically told the feds, hey, flip off. We can't do this. We're not going to do this for you. Yeah. And so at this point now, they've extended the deadline seven more years. And I'll bet you they're going to have a whole um, task force of uh, bureaucrats on this uh, uh, this real ID thing for those next seven years, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. They're going to be pushing papers around. A blue ribbon and, panel. Yeah, they're going to be doing stuff. Right. Drinking coffee, eating donuts. <laughs> I don't know what. In discussions I participated in... Didn't we predict that, by the way? I believe we predicted it was going to be extended, the deadline for the real ID. I don't know, but it sounds... I believe we did. They, you know, it, you know, why would they get rid of it? That's how government works. It's so, it's so easy. As soon as you understand the principles and, and why government is just so miserable at, at doing the things it's supposed to do, you, know, you can easily predict that whenever a new government program is, promote, is proposed, it's always going to, A cost more than it originally was proposed to cost, probably mm. by a factor of three. <laughs> right. And uh, and also, it's going to take longer to implement than you ever originally expected it to implement. And you can also go out on... these aren't. This isn't even going out on a limb. It's also going to do more than you originally wanted it to do. Mm. And that's not a good thing, okay? Right. It's not. Well, it's, I don't know about more, but it's not. It's certainly not going to do the, the thing that you hoped that it was going to do. Okay, sure. Because there's always, always unintended consequences when it comes to... Uh, you know, rules like this. Right. In discussions I participated in with the Department of Homeland Security, they were asked point blank, what will happen to states that don't participate, said uh, Maine Secretary of State uh, Matthew 
Dunlop, Maine's was the first state to uh, decide that they weren't going to do this, who was on the call. Uh, I'm not sure exactly which call this was, but it sounds like uh, they were on a big conference call. The response was, nothing will happen. There, are no, there, is, there will be no penalty. You can still get on a plane. The ACLU, which uh, opposes the plan on civil liberties grounds, says that many changes uh, made since the act was passed nearly negate the original intent of the program. (laughs) A DHS official told the Washington Times that the uh, changes have been adopted in a spirit of compromise and designed to save the state's money. Hmm. DHS is at pains to point out that Real ID is not a national identity card program, but a set of regulations that direct states how to create their driver's licenses and state ID cards. Real ID is not a a national ID, just like the draft, or just like national service isn't the draft. I think we (laughs) all know better, (laughs) you know? Yeah. The program mandates digital photos, barcoded information, and more stringent document checks. It uh, directs all states to link their databases with one another. It passes in 2005. It passed in 2000. It passed in 2005 as part of a necessary appropriations bill to fund the Iraq War and promoted our own John Stokes to think uh, about uh, faxing a picture of his own backside to Real ID sponsor James um, Sensenbrenner. The official word is that did not, in fact, happen. Thank goodness. A bad thing to. Um, Fax a picture of your bottom to a uh, Mm. representative. They could do something terrible to you. Real ID has spawned outrage in other corners. Groups on both the left and the right of the political spectrum have been up in arms over the privacy implications of the linked databases and the machine-readable information. Many states have uh, been worried by the unfunded cost of the upgrade, which would run into the billions of dollars. I don't know why, but okay. Uh, States began defying the feds, passing laws saying that they had no intention of complying with real ID requirements. The federal government retorted that it was fine, but citizens from those states could not use their driver's license to enter federal buildings or board aircraft. And now they've changed that. Hooray! That's great news. So real real ID, pretty much off the table at this point. That doesn't mean that your local states won't make their IDs more, uh, you know, cracked down, police state style with biometrics and all that. That may still be coming down the road. We're on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklot.com, where all the features are totally free. So enjoy them, including the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all and everything in between at bbs.freetalklot.com. It's totally free. That's bbs.freetalklot.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. D2Z.org. Let's go to the phones, and then we'll tell you, or Mark will be telling us, about entrepreneurs, 15 of them, that didn't need to go to college. We talk about college a lot on this show. Well, not a lot, but from time to time. And uh, it's, it's important to realize that not everybody has to go there to be successful. Mm. We'll get to that. But first, let's talk to Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live, listening to KGEZ. What's up? Hey, guys. Actually, I'm listening on my cell phone tonight uh, oh. because you don't come on until 6 here, Alex. Oh, thank yep. you. You're right about that. You're right. We'll get we'll get that third hour in there uh, at some point, or rather, I guess our our first hour technically. What, what's on your mind? I sure hope so. But anyway, um, I, I know maybe I'm old fashioned. All I have is a cell phone. I don't have a computer and stuff like this. But I'm old. Oh, and.
Brian. He doesn't sound like he has very good cell phone coverage either. <laughs> Jeremy, are you still there? Jeremy, here. hello. Go ahead. Try again. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, does anybody out there have a number for? Oh, I don't know. 411? Goog 411? <laughs> I used that, by the way, today. It was so cool. They, they're not a sponsor or anything. It's just that they've got the coolest services. Uh, the, the Google uh, 411 program? Yeah. Have you heard about this? It, no? well, you, you've actually told me uh, about it, and I have it. It's uh, 800-GOOG-411. Right. And it only works on businesses, not uh, individuals. That is correct. And Well, they're go- probably going to get to the individuals, but they're doing the business part first. Yeah, and, you know, it makes sense. Uh, when it comes to businesses, they can advertise. People can't. It's a handy thing, man. It, just to explain what it is, you call 800-GOOG-411, and it's free. So normally if you've got a cell phone, for instance, and you dial 411, they charge you like a buck to, to call 411. I mean, it's really expensive to yeah. call 411. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, and, it's like a 545 to call. Uh, yeah, it's, out, it's outrageous. And so Google's is free. Mm-hmm. It's a toll-free number, number one, so the call is free. I mean, it's going to cost you minutes if you have a cell phone, but no big deal. Uh, and the actual call is free, and the service is free. You don't have to sign up or anything. It's so cool. I we needed to order pizza today because we were out at the uh, we, we were out at the the polling location holding signs all day long. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were going to call in an order for pizza. One of us was going to go pick it up, and so I picked up the phone. I didn't know the number for the pizza place. Picked up the phone, called eight hundred Gook four one one, and it, it asks you where you are. You tell them the city and state, and then you tell them what you're looking for. If you know the name of the business, you say that. If you just know the category, like pizza, you say that. Mm-hmm. And it's got the voice recognition software going on, so it it understands what you say. And boom, first try, the exact store I was looking for came right up. And then they 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 don't even give you the number. You can get the number if you want, but they'll just connect you. They just put you right through. I've had um, I've had some satisfactory results and some less than satisfactory results with it. Now, admittedly, it was free, which is real nice. But uh, you know, when you when you, I, I can't remember what I said at like restaurant, and I uh, got an auto mechanics place or you know whatever. <laughs> but uh, admittedly, the place that I was uh, calling on doesn't you know the the town that I in New Hampshire that I was calling on doesn't have many restaurants anyway. So there you go. All right, so eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk entrepreneurs, Mark. Fifteen of them. Who are they? And why are we talking about them? Okay. From uh, college-startup.com, how many times were you told to make sure you worked hard in high school so that you go to college and get a good career job? Okay. Maybe not all of you. Over and over again. Yeah. Maybe uh, not all of you got nagged about it, but probably a good portion of today's generations of adults did. It's natural to wonder whether college is really necessary. A, um, A college degree, as many have found, is no guarantee of a good career. On the flip side, there are many successful entrepreneurs who didn't need their college education and became millionaires anyway. Here are 15 of them both contemporary and from the past, in alphabetical order. Okay, cool. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to make... from Wendy's. Uh, he probably is on there. Okay. Um, I don't want to make... Bill Gates. Would you stop? I, I've got a <laughs> statement on colleges here. Um, I don't want to make it seem like we, don't, we think that colleges should go away or anything like that, oh, but no, I do no. sort of think that too many kids go to college and... You know, they, unnecessarily. Right, unnecessarily. They, the, you know, the statistics, statistics are: if you go to college, you'll make more money. But I want to know if you take out the professions—lawyers, uh, doctors, uh, architects, uh, engineers—those people. Yeah. What about the kids that got the music degree or well, the? Yeah, you a know, music degree, a sociology degree, communications degree, liberal arts degree, yeah. uh, political science. Those kids. Sociology. Even MBAs. Uh, not necessarily MBA, but a business, uh, a bachelor's in business. What is? that going to do for Not you, sure. I wonder. Um, I think you could learn 
more from eating reading the e-myth than uh, you know that stuff. Anyway, what is that? It's a book. It's a book. Okay, but there are plenty of business books out there, and you'll learn. Oh, you better believe it. Number one, coming in number one on the list, um, Mary Kay Ash, the founder of Mary Kay Incorporated, started as mm. a cosmetics business. While she didn't have a college education or any training, she successfully created a brand known throughout the world. To date, nearly half a million women have started Mary Kay businesses selling cosmetics. Their uh, appreciation for Mary Kay Ash is unwavering. Richard Branson. Um, he's best known for his thrill-seeking spirit and outrageous business tactics. He dropped out of the um, out at the age of 16 and started his first successful business venture, Student Magazine. He's the owner of Virgin Brand and uh, that guy's a billionaire. Yeah, it's 360 companies. His companies include Virgin uh, Megastore and Virgin Atlantic Airway. Hmm. Coco Chanel, an orphan for many years, um, Gabrielle Coco Chanel, trained as a seamstress, determined to invent herself. She threw out the ideas that fashion would um, would deem feminine, boldly using fabrics and styles normally reserved for men. A perfume bearing her name, Chanel Number no. Five, kept her um, name famous. Simon. Cowell started a, a mail room for music publishing company. He has uh, since, since become an artist and rep- repertoire um, A&R uh, executive for Sony BMG in the UK and a television producer and judge for the uh, major television talent contests, including American I- Idol. So this is it's, uh, S- Simon Cowell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Michael Dell with $1,000. Dedication and desire, Michael Dell dropped out of college at age 19 to start PCs Limited, later hmm. named Dell Incorporated. Dell became the most profitable wow. PC manufacturer in the world. In 1996, Michael and Susan Dell Foundation offered a $50 million grant to the University of Texas at Austin to be used for children's health and education in the city. Hmm. Barry Diller. Fox I've got a Dell on my desk right yeah. now. The yeah, laptop. Yeah, they're good ones. Barry Diller, Fox Broadcasting Company, is, uh, uh, was started by a college dropout. Diller is now chairman of Expedia. Fox? Wow. Yep. Um, Expedia and CEO of IAC Interactive Corp., which includes Home Shopping Network and Ticketmaster. No, that's one of the reasons why ra- I went into radio, because you don't need any uh, college anything to get into in the entertainment <laughs> business. Yeah, I kind of like the uh, the newer people on here on the list. Is It seems like some of the older ones are a little less accessible. Yeah. Okay. Walt Disney, having dropped out of high school at 16. Walt Still, Dis- though, I mean, yeah. he's that's a huge name. He's I mean, a huge name, but it, it, he's sort of less relevant. I mean, he died before I was born. You know, I don't. Th- I don't think that's any less relevant because everyone knows who Disney is, and everyone knows how successful the company is. So. As long as you put him right next to the uh, Branson guy who did the same thing, dropped yeah. out at 16. Yeah. Um, his career and accomplishments are astounding. The most influential animator, Disney holds the record for the most awards and nominations. Disney's imagination included cartoons and theme parks. Um, it, the am- annual revenue is thirty billion dollars a year. What's your story? Did you make a success? I mean, are you having a successful life without having gone to college? And will you tell us about it? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just three dollars a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. 
Once again, that is shrine.freetalklive.com to get access and take a look. See shrine.freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. Uh, Nick joining us a little bit late, but better late than never. Good to have you here, as always. Nick from Free Minds TV. Uh, now changing formats a little bit. Now doing a half-hour format instead of an hour. What encouraged you to go in that direction? Um, we just felt that, especially for the online viewers, um, people would rather watch a half an hour show than devote a full hour of their time. It's easier and, for me, I can tell you that. Right, and this way we we still hit pretty much all the same topics, so th- there's just as much content. It's just faster paced, so people don't sit there and watch two heads on a screen talk, which nobody wants to see. So cool. we just run through it faster, and it's it's more interesting. So it, it has increased our web traffic, so looks like it was a good call. Excellent. And you can see them at uh, freemindstv.com or freekeen.com. We'll give you the update on Julia, our, uh, my girlfriend's race for city council here in a moment, but let's uh, continue the list, Mark. You've got 15 entrepreneurs who made it without going to college. Made in fact, many of, them, many of them didn't even finish high school. Yeah. Um, it, it, and that's what they tell you. They tell you that if you can't go to college, at least get your high school diploma, as though that really means something. Apparently it doesn't. Debbie Fields, as a young 20-year-old housewife with no business experience, Debbie Fields started um, started Mrs. Fields' Chocolate Chippery. With a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, this young woman became the most successful cook- cookie company owner. Wow. She later renamed the franchise and sold Mrs. Fields' cookies. Hmm. Um, Henry Ford... At 16, Henry Ford left home to apprentice as a machinist. He later started Ford Motor Company to manufacture automobiles, in case anybody doesn't know what Ford does. Ford's (laughs) first major success, the Model T, allowed Ford to open a large factory and later start the assembly line production, revolutionizing the automaking industry. You don't mention the word apprentice there with uh, with Ford. Mm -hmm. You know that means, of course, you go and you shadow somebody and you learn how they do what they do Mm -hmm. and. Uh, hopefully you learn to um, do everything they do so you can replace them someday or take those skills on elsewhere. Right. Uh, it's essentially like an internship, but I guess apprentices get paid. I'm not positive. Yeah, well, it, it, but the old imp- um, apprentice programs, they sort of took them in as helpers, you know, and right. fed them and um, gave them a place to sleep and that kind of thing. So I think that uh, that underscores something really important about the way certain people d- decide to spend their time. Some people will spend four years of their life or more going to a university, while other people will spend that four years going and actually working and doing the things that they're interested in doing. Right. They may not be, you know, uh, the high-end, the person, uh, they, they may not reach the level that they are looking to be in those four years, But they're learning a whole lot. They're learning the same things they might be learning in the university, and they're getting paid at the same time Mm -hmm. to learn those things. So it just seems to make more sense to me if you aren't going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever you you know absolutely need to go to college for, if you can make it by just getting a foothold in the business that you're looking to get into, I think that's it. Infinitely more valuable. Yeah, you know, in in the one case you're going and you're spending thirty thousand dollars a year, and the other case you're going and you're making thirty thousand dollars a year, or whatever. Or yeah, whatever. Bill Gates, ranked as the world's richest person from '95 to 2006, Bill Gates was a college dropout. He started the largest computer software company, Microsoft Corporation. Gates and his wife are philanthropists, starting the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation with a focus on global health and learning. Milton Hershey. 
with only a fourth grade fourth grade education. Wow. Of course, fourth grade education was different back then. It's true. <laughs> Milton Hershey started his own chocolate company. Hershey's milk chocolate chocolate became the uh, first nationally marketed chocolate. Hmm. Hershey's also focused on building a wonderful community for his workers, known as um, known as Hershey, Pennsylvania. Steve Jobs. After attending one semester of college, Steve Jobs worked for Atari before co-founding Apple Computers. Now, without the uh, computers in the name, Apple includes innovative products such as the iPod, iTunes, and most recently the iPhone. Steve Jobs was also the CEO and co-founder of Pixar before it merged with Walt Disney. Rachel Ray. Despite having no formal training in culinary arts, Rachel Ray has made a name for herself in the food industry with numerous shows on Food Network and a talk show and cookbooks. High energy Rachel Ray doesn't slow down. She has also appeared in magazines as well as having her own magazine debut in 2006. I've never seen any of her television shows. I, have. I don't have TV, mm-hmm. but that woman's all over the place. Yep. I've seen her in the grocery she's a he- store. Heck of a brand. I've seen her all on Dunkin' Donuts' front windows. I mean, she's everywhere. And she says she knew she was a success when a uh, website was uh, dedicated to bashing her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ty Warner, sole owner, CEO, and chairman of Ty Incorporated. Ty Warner is a uh, savvy yet private businessman. Ty Incorporated made $700 million in a single year with the Beanie Babies craze without uh, spending money on advertising. No, no Beanie Baby advertisements. Wow. Ever. Yeah. He has since uh, expanded to include Ty Girls Dolls, um, directly comp- uh, competing with Bratz. Frank Lloyd Wright. Having never attended high school, Frank Lloyd Wright surpassed all odds when he became the most influential architect of the 20th century. And he is. It's stuff's amazing. Um, they have a lot of them in Chicago. Wright designed more than 1,100 projects with about half actually being built. His designs have inspired numerous architects to look at the beauty around them and to add to it. His hmm. uh, style is called the organic style, from what I understand. It's sort Interesting. of the modern, but fits into the, uh, you know, the surroundings. Very good. Yeah, that's that's, that's the list, and you know you can be. That's just a handful, though. Yeah, right? I mean, you, you can be successful by going into business and learning there, as opposed to going did you to college. Go to college? I took some college, just like you. Yeah, just some. I only took college because my parents wanted me to. You know, there wasn't. By the time I went into college, I I already knew what I wanted to do. I would, and, and most kids that, that when they start college, they don't know what they right. want to do. They know they want to drink and party. Yeah, <laughs> they change their major something like three times in the first couple years or something like that. I think on average, and so most college kids don't know what they want. I wanted to be on the radio, and I was already on the radio by the time I started in college. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> so there was wasn't really, and the things I learned in college, I had to unlearn because it was just too rigid, it was too regimented, and it wasn't really the way things were done in the real world. I mean it's it's a, just a totally different it's a totally different universe in college. It's just not the same. They they I'm sure there's some valuable things you can learn there, but I didn't learn them. When Absolutely. I was in college. The the question is how much do you learn how much do you pay for each little little bit that you learn in college? Is it worth what you um you know what you uh, would necessarily learn in the marketplace? I, you know, I don't know whether I, I don't really like what they teach in college. You, you know, you've got uh, three classes a week, and uh, if you decide not to show up, then um, you know you could still maybe get an A. Now, I took Nick, college as, classes, uh, missed some, and still got A. As the youngest host on the show, uh, nineteen. Yes. Yeah. Um, what are your college plans, if any? Um, I'm actually in the process of applying to Keene State right now, oh, okay. but I actually know that I want to go for manage, a management degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually have a purpose in going to college. I see. Um, however, I have heard similar advice to what you two are giving um, from people who've just gotten through college. 
Um, in my circumstance, I have some money put away just for college that mm-hmm. I can use for that. So it makes sense for me to use it on college. Um, but talking sure to people, does. but talking to people who took out student loans, um, a lot of times, you know, I hear people saying, "I wish I just hadn't gone to college and yeah. worked, you know, at McDonald's or something," because. The, they they try to tell you when you start college, this is how much your debt's going to be for your student loans, mm-hmm. and this is how much you can expect to make once you have a college degree with the career path you're headed towards. And a lot of times they inflate what you can expect to make to pay off your debt. A lot of times people don't even get – in fact, I think it's a, a nine out of ten times people don't get jobs in the areas that they get degrees in. Oh, I think that's quite common. I, I've yeah. met English majors who work at in the food service industry. I mean – these days, there are so many people going to college that people do just go because they feel they should go. Right. When it's a mistake. When they could have just worked the same job they end up in anyway without racking up all that debt. Exactly. 800-259-9231. If you want to tell us your story as far as were you able to be successful in life without going to college? Is it all just a big myth? I mean, is it just a PR game to draw people into their business? Which, that's what it is. It's Good advertising is what it is. Yeah, more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, once again, that's freetalklive.com. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. we got all kinds of great Free Talk Live merchandise, like Free Talk Live hats and T-shirts and hoodies and DVD Classic Archive collector sets. We've got a lighter bottle opener combo. We've got flags and more. It's all there at store.freetalklive.com. Oh, did I mention the bumper stickers are for free? Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Uh, by the way... Still to come, the details on the uh, the keen election here as, as to how one of our co-hosts did running for city council. The first your calls. Uh, let's talk to Willis in Georgia on the amplifier line. Hello, Willis. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I uh, wanted to call and rant about going to college because I have... Uh, I'm actually a doctor. I went to school, I guess I went to about 10 years of higher education. Okay. And the government has got in and completely destroyed health care as far as being a doctor goes, where it's very hard to make money um, compared to what it was like in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. It's, it gets worse by the day. So I have people come in once in a while and will ask me, you know, if I should they should go to school, become a doctor, they want to become someone in the medical field. And I used to say yes, but now I say no. Why? Because, well, like I said, it's, it's a lot of times, you know, if you're just looking to make money, like people used to think, oh, doctors make all this money, they really don't anymore because your overhead's so ridiculously high dealing with paperwork and mm. government, you know. Right? I mean, Medicaid and Medicare just kill you if you take it. And so it's it's not a good profession like it used to be, so I try to put a warning out because here's an example of what I'm trying to say. My brothers, neither of them went to, didn't even finish high school, and while I was in school for 10 years blowing money going to school, they were earning money in a career, and they make way more than I do. Really? Because, well, yeah, to a point, well, to a point because they've had 10 years of experience in a job. You know, um, what I really try to recommend is unless there's something super specialized you want to go to college for, just don't do it. Go mm-hmm. go start a good business. You know, go make money instead of spending money. Now, how long college, have you? How long has it been since you've been out of school? 
which school? College? College. Probably college. 15 years, 16 okay. years. So at this point, I mean, have you paid off all your loans? Are you doing that well? I, mean, I, I, I did really well when I first got out of practice, and I paid most of that off. But, um, yeah, loans are just, I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, let me give, give you an idea of what you can expect as a doctor or any sort of higher education. Is You go to you know school for 30000 just undergrad, then you go to graduate school or went out of doctoral school, and that's another 100000 Then you get out and you have to buy about $100,000 of equipment if you want to open your own practice and marketing and learning. So you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in the hole if you count that all that time, besides the money you spent, you didn't earn anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you were spending money instead of earning money. So you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in the hole when you get out, and you uh, it takes quite a couple of years to, to earn that type of money to at least keep yourself afloat, especially if you're trying to open a practice yourself. Sure. So, um, you know, they they put rose-colored glasses and you watch TV and they just don't really tell you like it is out there. So if you guys are thinking about healthcare, don't do it. Well, <laughs> Go find another profession. Now, what about um, what about other uh, job fields in, in the healthcare field, such as nursing and EMTs? Because I know those don't require nearly as much schooling, and I, I personally know a few people in the healthcare field in those job slots. I think those are hit or miss because uh, I know a lot of guys that are nurses and women that are definitely not happy in getting tossed around. And I know some that really like what they do. And, and some people, you know, they really like what they do, and and that's great for them. But if you're looking to actually make money like a business owner, medical's getting really hard to do that. If you want to be a millionaire, that's probably not where I'd look. You know, this is one of the this is one of the problems with uh, the government's continued involvement in the healthcare system is that it's driving good people out. It's driving people like you. I mean, you're you are having second thoughts. You wish you could take it all back to some extent. Uh, it's 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 make and you're recommending that people don't get into the business uh, who normally would be excited and who normally would really want to do this. You're saying, whoa, think about well, this I just- again. Ian, I wish someone had said that to me, saying, hey, you know, take off the rose-colored glasses and look at what you're going to be coming into. Mm. Because if you understand that's what you're walking into, that's great. But nobody tells you like it is. Now, now, um, Willis, how much did you enjoy practicing medicine? Because, you know, you're you're talking about, uh, you know, getting in and enjoying, uh, you know, or, you know, wanting to make money and that kind of thing. Did you enjoy your work? Sure, I enjoyed it. But you can be around the medical field and enjoy it without having to go to 10 years of school. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's other ways to help people. We had one of our callers uh, suggest that you could go and get a get a gig. I forget what exactly how you do this, but he said that essentially you go and you work for a hospital and they pay for you to train so you can continue to get more certifications and that sort of thing as you slowly advance through the ranks. Yeah, and uh, I'm just saying, you remember when we were like kids, they would always be like, oh, go be a doctor or a lawyer because you make a ton of money. They absolutely did. And and that's, you know, that was always hand in hand. You know, go marry a doctor, they make a lot of money. Or go. So to say, you know, that there's money's not part of the equation is silly because, you know, of course you want to find a job where you like helping people, that's great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got to get paid, too. You're putting a huge amount of debt and risk just to be in this profession, just yeah. to get in the game. Right. It would be a real shame if a doctor, you know, just doesn't make enough money to pay off their um, student loans and is scraping for money. Doctors should be rich. They're helping people's, you know, lives. They're helping them uh, be healthier yeah. and uh, feel better I mean, and live longer. I mean, you should get rewarded. People want to go through that kind of schooling and stand up and say, "Yeah, slap me with another four years of, you know, biophysics and <laughs> mechanics." And you know, there's, that's a special type of person that's willing to take that type of abuse. Yeah. 
and uh, you know academic abuse. <laughs> so kudos, you know. I think that yes, there's good doctors out there, and yes, they're making money. But I think Ian's right on the head. Is is government's just got in and ruined it. Where to the point where I would practice again. You know, my practice now is all cash. I don't touch insurance. I don't touch Medicaid. Medicare. Really? It really ticks people off. I mean, you know, you lose a lot of patients, but it's just not worth the headaches. Wow, that's interesting because you know we had uh, had talked about Ron Paul had mentioned Paul one of his. It, right? You know, one of his associates in the in the medical industry also worked a, a similar style business. But even though you don't take Medicare and Medicaid, you managed to make it work for yourself. Yeah, but I'm also small scale. You know, I used to be really big when I took that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I'm small, but you know, at the end of the day, I still bring home the same amount of money. So yeah, interesting. It's, you know, it's 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 very likely that that's the case because you don't have all the secretaries and uh, all the assistants and the office yeah. staff to take to you know run all this paper back right. and forth. It's ridiculous. You know, I had two employees just to chase money. Right. I mean, and, just to to collect money that people owed me for bills that government or insurance companies would pretend they don't owe. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I had to hire people full time. You had to manage those those people. You were in charge of that office. You had to manage those people to some extent Sounds or like another. You needed SACL CAI. <laughs> I, I actually use SACL. They're they're actually chasing some of my money right now. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> there you go. Very good, man. Thanks for the story, dude. Hey, we appreciate no hearing from you. I just say, go. My advice would be, you know, find a business you really like, study business, and buy a business or start one. Instead of going to college, unless yeah. you just want to go and party and have a good time. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, you can party without paying $30,000 a year if you want. <laughs> Thanks, Willis. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. I just, it's just a sad story. I mean, we want people to be in the medical profession. How many doctors have we um, talked to on this show that have said they have gotten out of the business because of all the government paperwork? Uh, certainly enough to be memorable. I mm-hmm. certainly recall at least a handful of them. No, I, I, you know, this isn't the doctor show no, or anything no. like that, but... You know, uh, quite a few, uh, at least three, four have called in and said that same thing. And that's, if four I find called that tragic. this dinky little show, how many more people? You know, I find that tragic because if the good guys, the ones that are really interested in getting into this business but also want to make a profit, you know, if the the entrepreneurial style doctors aren't getting into the business, then that means that you're going to be left with the mediocre ones, right? I mean, the, the ones that are just getting in because they want to get in and they might not be that great, but none of the other really ex- excellent doctors are getting in so much these days. Maybe they've chosen to do something else. I mean, is I that going to I don't know what it says of, about the, uh, the, the pool of doctors that's left afterwards, but it does say that uh, we are diminishing a, a very important pool of um, you know, workers. I mean, which doctors are better, the doctors in the uh, Soviet Union or the doctors in America at that time? I mean, the ones there's, there's just some just don't have this, the motivation in the socialist system. The the incentives aren't there. The motivation isn't there. And the American system, the American medical medical system, is mostly socialized. Right, not, half, not all the way. Half of the dollars are spent by the government. I right, believe. more than half. Right, a little more than half of the dollars spent by government. That means it's mostly government controlled. And the dollars is is just one factor. Then there's all the regulations on top of that, and the paperwork, and the rules, and the you know all the nonsense and the hoops that these people have to jump through. I mean, it's an incredible burden on the industry. And I just think that's a tragic story. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line for you. So my college degree, I have an associate's in radio and television broadcasting. Which, essentially, that means I went and took a bunch of math classes and English classes and then, you know, one voice and diction <laughs> class, which, again, I had to unlearn everything right, from. Right, they told you to pop your peas. The other things were, you know, mostly TV production related because there weren't any, there wasn't really anything about radio at the, the school that I went to, so... 
it was useless for me. Just a waste of time. 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Hour two's on the way. Bill's going to tell us his uh, college story, and we'll take your calls about anything. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch into hour number two of the program. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us again. freetalklive.com. We roll right into the phone calls. It's Bill in Oklahoma. Bill, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hi, guys. How are you all doing tonight? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, you were talking about uh, college and profession, I guess, going hand-in-hand, and I have to say uh, that just wasn't the case for myself. Um, I didn't take the traditional route into college, meaning I didn't get enrolled into a two-year or four-year program. Um, I was uh, basically taking uh, what they would call certification courses at the at the local colleges uh, so that I can get certified in uh, IT mm-hmm. uh you know, that makes sense to me. Right. Uh, the problem, though, with that, there's a problem with that as well, is that in IT, uh, the standards change on almost, if, if not on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. So um, a good example of that would be if you're into web design, you know, you, you go in and you learn HTML, maybe a little bit of JavaScript. Well, mm-hmm. now you have to know uh, ASP, you have to know Perl, you have to know PHP. Uh, to do the the new advanced um, uh, AJAX or Web 2.0 design for, right. for web design. So wait, what's the um, problem exactly? I mean, you can just keep getting certified in those things. If, it keeps ca- it's a cash cow. It, you have to go back and keep being recertified. And these people are make, the, the people that are running these certification courses are making tens of thousands, if not millions of dollars, uh, over something that we could probably all learn by going to Wikipedia or you know to you know countless sites on the on the web. Okay. Um, unfor- unfortunately for me, I didn't have that luxury uh, when I first started out back in the early 90s. Uh, the, the websites weren't as advanced as they are today, obviously. So I was, you know, trapped into shelling out the major bucks to get these certifications that uh, are proven to be useless over, you know, a year or, or two or three years or, mm-hmm. uh, in time. Uh, so uh, in IT, I guess it, it goes along with a little bit of, about the uh, well, the medical profession is a little bit different. You have to kind of go to college for that to learn how to cut somebody open. But uh, as far as if you're going into something like IT or technology uh, as your passion, uh, I would recommend uh, just uh, cram information off of, of, of knowledgeable websites, uh, become personably trained, uh, self-taught, in other words. Uh, you would have uh, just about the same amount of knowledge, if not more so, than the, the person that's coming down the pipe, uh, coming out of college. Uh, sure, and and I, I mean, just to defend the certifications, I, I'm no IT expert, but I guess if you were coming out of college, uh, you know, you've got that college degree in information technologies, and as you say, the technologies and the, the parameters are changing on a daily basis, so as time goes on, that degree becomes more and more worthless. It's just this old thing that you've got in your repertoire at that point. It's not really that worthwhile. At least the certifications cost less than, uh, than you know, a full four years in college. As I understand.
understand them. And in addition, you don't really have to be certis- uh, certified to get work. It just probably makes it a little easier to find the work. I mean, if you've got some uh, some things in your por- your portfolio, you know, websites that you've worked on, things that you can point to to show, you know, this is my work, I'm this good, then I think that actually having the, the portfolio is probably pretty valuable in comparison to just having a bunch of certifications and nothing you can really point to to say, I did this. I, w- I would agree with that, uh, Ian, uh, on that on that uh, spectrum when you, when you talk about websites. But if you go into something like I was doing, which is computer security, uh, mm. locking down personal computers, website or yeah, web web servers and such of that nature, uh, they are uh, the big companies now are, are really stressing the, the the whole you need to have certification. The problem right. is there's a lot of people that that get these certifications that are just dumb as a brick. Hmm. Uh, they, they, they know what they're taught, but they, they, execution-wise, they just can't follow through on it, whereas I'm not even certified, but I have you know, practical knowledge. I do, do it on a daily basis, and I can demonstrate my, my, uh, my intelligence and competency in this, in this, this realm, but because I, don't, I didn't go and actually sit through a six- or eight-week uh, certification course, spend 1500 to $3,000 on certification, right. that... I, I'm some. I'm, I'm supposed to be uh, just dished aside, being uh, claimed as being worthless. Now, so, you've done uh, you've done work in those particular industries. Can't you show job experience? And uh, don't employers look at that? I mean, you know, they it, it would they seem do, like they, they do. But it, it's uh, a lot of things have changed in the last. Well, I would say the last five years. Uh, it has to do with risk management. Um, there was a lot of people that claimed that had all this this. Uh, knowledge and this experience, and they you know they put on a resume or whatever, and then when they go to work for these big companies, uh, they end up you know screwing up on the job, and you know they damage physical hardware. They cost they end up cost costing these uh, companies uh, tens of millions of dollars to get all this stuff replaced. Um, so now they they kind of like want that piece of paper to show, hey, yeah, at least you're competent enough that you can you you you, you can. Uh, uh, well, you know, all I can say is competition's a bitch, you know? Mm. I mean, the fact is, the IT industry, I remember a few years ago, everybody was saying, and when I say a few, it could be uh, seven, uh, but uh, I remember years ago, everybody was saying, oh, you got to get into IT, there's all kinds of opportunities there. So a mm-hmm. bunch of people went into IT, sure. and now you've got this glut of people that they all know the same thing, and they're all, you know, uh, cutting each other's throat over getting whatever jobs are available. So inevitably, there are going to be things like certification that, that comes to the surface as a way to differentiate between these uh, potential employees. And if that's what the employers are looking for, and, and if that's what you really want to do, then either jump through those hoops or find something else or find some other way to to, uh, to monetize your your skills. Yeah, well, uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, just on a, on a lighter note, uh, you throw IT in, into the same uh, IT marketing into the same boat. You go in, you go into uh, to college to learn advertising, marketing, and whatnot. Uh, it's kind <laughs> of funny that, that uh, most colleges won't even uh, address uh, proven business models that work in online. They always stick with. Uh, what's happened in traditional media, hmm. you know, being television and, and audio. Uh, it's not never, a surprise. It's, it's not a surprise that college would would be a little slow to catch up and innovate because they aren't really a true marketly uh, market based organization. Uh, yeah. Most of them are state subsidized. I'm, I've been in advertising for years. I guess I started uh, in 1998, and I guess I've met that I know of. 
um, one guy in the industry that had an advertising degree. Now, essentially, what I've done is advertising sales. I've worked for radio stations, magazines, uh, you know, that uh, on web, you know, websites, selling advertising for those mm-hmm. venues. Um, one guy I know had uh, had a degree. He worked for the radio station for probably nine months or so, and uh, then got offered a job in the medical field and essentially became a uh, you know uh, you know business office manager for a uh, medical company. And he hasn't used his degree since. Well, and I know there are real estate degrees, and be, having really be, being fairly yeah, you can get you can get a four year degree in real estate. Wow, you don't really need it for anything. I didn't <laughs> think you did. And to be honest, I I don't know if I've met. I don't know that I've met anyone in the real estate field who's had a, a degree in it. But yeah, I've real estate has historically been a field that uh, a lot of people just get into because it's they can sell yeah, not hard. It's, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's something where you, oh. if you can go out and get the 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 listings to sell, you've you've got it's something. You've not got an easy industry no. by any no, stretch. No, no, it's not hard to get the whatever the certification is to become no. a realtor. That's what I meant. Right. It, there's a lot of competition because of that. Uh, within the industry, Bill. Any final thoughts for us tonight? Uh, well, I did have a, a quick question for Nick. If I if I can pose it to him, I can take it off the air. Yeah, sure. Uh, go. Uh, go ahead, Nick. Uh, you uh, you are a content developer, uh, media content developer. And I was just wondering what your take was on the uh, the whole walkout in, in Hollywood as far as the strike goes, and uh, how that. Uh, uh, do you feel that uh, their their claims of wanting that little bit of penny revenue uh, off of download streaming uh, is worth uh, basically putting a hold to television. Um, you know, I'm, I I do develop content with Free Minds TV. I I don't really have any experience in that industry as far as commercial yeah. television. Yeah, you don't have goes. writers. But to, to, you know, to be honest, if there writers have a skill and. All they're doing by striking is really depending on their labor. I think even without government protections um, for their union, they would be able to strike and negotiate. So, you know, for the TV viewer, it might not be great, but I can understand why they want what they want. And I think they're going to get it because they have a valuable skill and they're organized. Let's talk about that more on the way. Bill, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. There's actually a story about uh, the writer's cartel, as it's being called, (laughs) over at lourockwell.com. We'll share uh, that with you, and you might be surprised at how much some of these writers actually make. They're making themselves sound like they're so poor. Are they? More on the way. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features for free. We've got archives and entire year's worth of the show. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience. So enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. And are you having trouble getting the restful sleep your body desperately needs? Before you reach for addictive pills, try the Sleep Generator. It's a CD that uses scientifically engineered audio frequencies that interact with the human brain in such a way that it almost forces quick, safe, and non-addictive sleep. So if you're really having trouble falling asleep, go to HighSpeedSleep.com. Remember, for deep, restful sleep, it's HighSpeedSleep.com. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the call in line. You can bring up anything. Uh, We'll talk about the writers here in a moment, but let's try Jeremy again. He was having cell phone trouble earlier. Jeremy in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello. Yes, sir. I'm here, guys. You got me? Let's try one more time. Jeremy, what's on your mind tonight? 
Sorry to bother you guys again, but uh, what what was on my mind and why I was asking for that number to the mainstream media is um, that we need to jam their lines, too, you know, that we get equal coverage, you know, because they're just running over us and ignoring us. They when you say us, you mean who? Who are you referring to? Ron Paul Jones. Oh, okay, Ron Paul supporters. Got you in, in the Ron Paul campaign. Yes, sir. Hasn't um, he been getting... I, I have been completely out of touch with uh, the, uh, the the news world today because I've been out at uh, the polling location all day long. But I believe he's been getting coverage. Uh, they talked about it on the morning this uh, this morning on the radio. Well, he was a little bit, but it's always in the end, and it's only a few seconds, and they always dedicate five or ten minutes every day on the Today Show and these kind of people and stuff like this, we need to start jamming their lines up. Well, now you can't expect, now to be fair, I mean, from a programming standpoint, uh, you can't expect a show like the Today Show or Nightline or whatever, you know, one of these news shows or magazine shows, to spend an entire hour on Ron Paul. I mean, five minutes is usually one of their segment lengths or ten minutes or whatever. I I don't expect that. I just think that we're we're always at the bottom of you know, Ron Paul's always at the bottom of everything, and he's a record breaker. The American people want this guy, and yet they continue to ignore him. And I think we should jam their lines and make them. I think uh, you know more contact with the media about Ron Paul the better. I think that it's you know. Uh, I think you should be tactful vi- about vinegar it. Vinegar and honey, of course, but. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, jamming their lines and being rude isn't going to get you anywhere. I think that being well, tactful. Not, not 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 being rude, but I mean. I think we should get the media's numbers because they deliberately ignore them because it's against their agenda. Well, pick up the phone book. I don't know if you guys have any TV stations there in uh, Kalispell, but you might want to give them a call. No, you wouldn't want to come here. It's just beautiful mountainous country. (laughs) We've got mountains in New Hampshire, too. Jeremy, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate hearing from you. And I agree. I, I think that if your local media... Or if uh, the media that you like to watch, mainstream uh, nationwide media like MSNBC or whatever you watch, ABC News, isn't covering Ron Paul to the extent you think they should be, then give them a, you know, shoot them an email or give them a phone call and let them know how you feel. I think they've been doing a fair job of covering him more recently. recently. It's I mean, been getting better. I saw him on CNN um, yesterday for, for the money bomb. I mean, that was before the totals were even in. Uh, he was getting coverage... Uh, in several major, you know, newspapers and TV outlets, and it's usually pretty positive. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard two stories, by the way, on the totals. I've heard 3.99 million in 24 hours and 4.2 million. Uh, it was somewhere around 4 million. I yeah. mean, well, I, they not, also say that uh, apparently you could fax donations in, and there's plenty of people out there that don't <laughs> don't have access to the computer, as Jeremy will attest. And they said that their uh, little credit card online thing was backed up, so hmm. it could very well be more. Well, what I was wondering was what they were doing for the time zone shift. Because people on the yeah, West Coast, what, were they doing 24 hours from midnight? Eastern to Eastern. Right, yeah. Eastern to Eastern, or were they doing on November 5th, wherever you happen to be in the time zones? Because that question. would make a difference. So I think it's fair to say they, they pulled $4 million, yeah, About uh, $4 million. In one to, in one 24-hour period. It's just incredible, uh, just a record-setting day for Ron Paul. I believe they set the record for most contributions of any Republican presidential candidate. I saw a rumor that it was of any presidential candidate, but I don't believe that's that's true. That's not true. I think it was the most online donations in a single day for a single candidate, but it wasn't the most in money terms. But it was the most in money terms for any Republican candidate, period, throughout throughout the entire year, because Mitt right, Romney was $3.1 million. For the primary, yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, also a record number of number of contributions. So number of people contributing, also a record number. Yeah, and in one day. They're, they're ahead of their um, 
their goal is for the the quarter. Uh, right. They're at seven point four three million right now, so they're they're doing real good. You can bring up whatever you want. Uh, let's go to the phones and talk to Joel in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live, Joel. Uh, Joe. Oh, Joe. I'm sorry. What's on your mind? Oh, you're you're fine. Uh, I had a couple questions for you guys. I wanted to first of all ask you if you had heard anything about uh, this article I'd come across this afternoon, saying that Ron Paul could be excluded from the Des Moines debate there in December because of his poll numbers being way too low. Well, that'll be a mistake on the on the debate organizers' part because we've seen what happens there is that anytime Ron Paul's excluded from something, his uh, supporters go crazy and contact uh, you know as many people as they possibly can to express their outrage, and then they usually organize an event happening like across the street that's attended by two times as many people as the actual debate. I mean, they just uh, I yeah. would I think that's going to be a big mistake if they do that. I, well, I hope that I hope you're right about that. But uh, my my second thing, and kind of along the same lines, is like, okay, so his poll numbers are low, you know. So they say, how do you know Mitt Romney and Rudy Giuliani and all these guys come out ahead of the horse race like they're, you know, they'd already been running, you know, for you know six months before everyone else, if, for whatever reason, you know, like Fred Thompson was polling above Ron Paul before he had even said he was in the race. You know, wh- where are these numbers coming from? I mean, I don't even know who Mitt Romney is. I don't even know, you know, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, he's the darling of New York City during 9-11. But where, where do these guys get this jump start from, you know? That's you a fine question. Uh, yeah, the media takes, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they decide who's going to be the one that uh, makes it and does it. And, right. of course, uh, they have their Ju- little darlings. Giuliani has some name recognition. Um, you know, they, what sure. they do is they look, at the, they look at the past and they apply it to the future as though that is going to be the truth every single time. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. Um, governors have a pretty good shot of getting into to office in the United States. Um but, you know, that's not helping Huckabee. Is that, is that what Mitt, Mitt Romney was, the governor of Massachusetts? He's the governor right? of Massachusetts. Uh, but but that yeah. Mike Huckabee is the uh, governor of, of Arkansas, and everybody knows that there's no governor of Arkansas ever going to be president of the United States. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about Mike Huckabee? He's a scumbag. <laughs> no, let us... You know, I mean, he's, he's a yeah, smaller he... government guy, but he's, he's really the... Uh, How do you know that? Because... Because I've listened to him, and um, that doesn't you know, mean anything. They can he, say whatever they want. Some appeal, I gotta say. But did you notice that all these guys that pull ahead of Ron Paul are all CFR guys? Is there anything to that? Council of Foreign Relations is, uh, which is basically an organization of neocons that to agitate for warmongering around the world. Correct? You, yeah. Well, I, um, I mean, I, I spent some time looking up all the names that hit the top of the polling numbers, and they're all CFR members. Yeah. McCain, Huckabee. Romney, you know, Giuliani, of course, Thompson even. I mean, they're all CFR guys. I, Hillary is. I think people can Obama. read a little too much into that. I think politicians naturally have an interest in interventionism overseas. I mean, that's just standard fare for American politics. So and they're interventionists. They're, they're attracted to that because it's an interventionist right. think tank. And we know, we know that's the way most of these I mean, politicians think is bomb, 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 war, war, war. Thanks for the call, dude. Yeah, we appreciate it. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The wiki is there with over 1,400 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI, the uh, collections professionals that sponsor Free Talk Live, they are hiring for um, all different positions uh, at uh, the company there. And you can uh, check it out, the positions that they have. They're both in Defiance, Ohio, and in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, they'd like to hire Free Talk Live listeners over anyone else. So Sweet. I think that's a pretty good thing. So uh, check out SACL CAI at, our banner, at the banner at uh, freetalklive.com. Definitely worth looking into. 800-259-9231. Continuing with the phone calls, Georgia. Oh, excuse me, not Georgia. That's uh, Ken in Louisiana. We've got Ken. Hello there. Hi there. I want to ask you guys a loaded question. Yes, sir. Uh, Load it up. How come, why, why didn't you mention someone like uh, LeBron James? Who? LeBron James. Who's LeBron that? James didn't go to college, but he's a, a multimillionaire at this point, right? Uh, I don't even know who that is. Who is that? Basketball oh, LeBron player? James, professional basketball yeah. player. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, again, Mark's list earlier, you're referring to a, uh, a list that Mark read in hour number one of 15 entrepreneurs who have been very right. successful that didn't go to college, and many of them didn't right. even finish high school. Um, there's a lot more than 15 out there. I'm sure that they left LeBron out. Okay, the reason the reason that I asked you that question, the reason I say it's loaded, is because when you go down and you examine the list, I mean that list was compiled over how many decades of of people, and it's a very short list. Sure, they just took Those the people, the high points. The people the people that 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 are are on that list uh, either had a unique talent like LeBron James, or uh, or came into knowledge that was uh, hitherto unknown. For example, uh, the Mrs. Fields, um, what her gr- uh, great grandmother's uh, chocolate cook- uh, cookie recipe. Um, the average person does not have uh, an unusual talent, or for their lifetime, never come into uh, this kind of knowledge. And college is one of the ways that, that uh, these people, even even if they're not working in the field that they may have gone to college to, gives them the background. I remember I had a college instructor that said, basically, the only thing that a college degree means is that you're trainable. Right. It's it's a license to go out and learn how to do a job um, in, you know, in the future is what I, I've heard people say. But, you know, I, I feel like... Um, you can go out and I, look. I support my family. I haven't finished college. My wife has a four-year degree. I'm paying off her four-year degree that she's not using in the field she's not using it in. You know, right. um, there's right. there's for as many pe- college success stories out there, and I'm not saying the college is a bad thing. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that if you you should use it for what you you know what you want to do. If, you, if you, you need to be careful with it. It's right. just not something you have to go and do because someone in high school told you you should or your mom and dad think it's the best idea. It may not be the best idea. And I, I think that's all we're saying here is that I think kids in America are raised, they're inculcated with this concept that you must go to college if you want to be successful. And it's just not true. It's misinformation. It is. It, it, uh, 
the, it, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be successful. Sure doesn't. But, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the statistics uh, over the lifetime. Uh, a person who goes to college makes uh, uh, much more money than uh, one who doesn't. Guess who puts those and statistics out? Any, hey, guess who put those, puts those uh, numbers out? Uh, probably the college. Yeah, right. And, and, but, the, and I think what's but, unfair but, but, about those numbers, before you go on, because I, I, I have seen those numbers, what's unfair about them is that they're including the doctors and the lawyers and the engineers and the architects and the people that I think likely should go to college. Um, right. But, you know, what they're yeah, not... Yeah, you factor them out? What, I want to take those people out, and I want to look at the people who got liberal arts degrees, people who got the, a degree in the French horn, um, political science, sociology, communications, those sort of fluffy degrees. My friend, uh, my, one of my best friends from high school got a degree in soci- uh, sociology. In fact, he went and got, uh, what's it, is it master's that's a, after bachelor's? Bachelor's yes, yeah. and master's? He, right. he went uh, to the master's. What's after master's or something after that? Doctorate. I don't know if he went that far, but he, he definitely got a master's in sociology, and right. he's he's like completely lost with his life. He doesn't know what to, he doesn't know what to do. He's gone right. and moved to Seattle and so he can you play know, guitar. You, you see, you see that uh, you see that a lot. But the uh, but but the bottom line is, you can uh, you can go through um, any poor area in 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 the country, and I guarantee you, you're going to find more than 15 people who didn't go to college who are just barely getting by. Sure, and I would say that those um, to those people, the college could be a bit more valuable because I think Absolutely. that um, I think that one of the uh, basics there is, and, and those people will likely get a lot of free money to go to college. Um, you know, the way the colleges make their money is off, uh, you know, middle and upper middle class people that, that send their kids to, you know, and spend $30,000 a year. But I think that the the single most important factor for getting a job is communication. And, um, you know, in a lot of poor areas, whether, you know, whatever uh, particular ethnicity they are, they've got uh, dialectual, uh, you know, speaking differences that kind of, that's, there, there's a glass ceiling for those people, um, unfortunately. You know, they could be as smart as they could possibly be, but, you know, um, right. if parents will – and parents, they, they don't even have the capacity to teach because they have the same dialects that, that are exactly. going on. As a matter of fact, that's where they learn their dialects. Right. <laughs> so I think that if they can go and – And look at what government schools doing right, government to stop schools the problem. Do, do nothing to teach people how to speak um, Midland, which is what sort of my accent is, Midland English, um, which is so valuable. Um, you know, my friend uh, – yeah, my friend, friend Julian's black, and you would not be able to tell over the telephone. It, as a matter of fact, he used to do a, a business where he would, you know, make telephone calls, and then um, he'd show up at people's offices and that kind of thing. And he'd, every day he'd have somebody who was surprised. Holy crap! Now you mentioned <laughs> black people. There's there's plenty of white people. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just. They don't know what they're talking about. I run into that, too, uh, quite a bit. I'm black also. Um, And a lot of people don't know what they're, um, you know, don't expect to see it. And the reason that you've probably likely done, one of the reasons that you've likely done well is people, you know, they they can, um, because you speak like I do, I get more, you know, psychological connections with you. And that's how the the boss sees it, too. And that's how people that hire see it. Mirroring to some extent. Yeah. Well, you know, like it or not... uh, your intelligence in this country is based on mastery of the language. Yeah, I, I, I think that people will judge your intelligence based on it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's a, that, that's what I meant. I was yeah, in prison. For, I was in prison for nine years with some of the sharpest black guys um, that you know had sort of the you know southern black dialect, and you know they're 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 not going to get the best jobs when they get out because of that 
you know, dialect. But man, I've I've met some smart guys in prison that, that happen to be black, and you know, it, it's likely the communication that's going to hold them back, not their college degree. Right, absolutely. But then when you do go to college, uh, chances are uh, you're going to be directed to take those English classes, which mm-hmm. may improve your English, which may change the way that you're judged. I think, I th- and I also think that uh, people need to have frank conversations with, and it's not just black people, it's you know white people that have silly accents and uh, you know uh, Hispanic people that haven't uh, you know overcome the um, the accents. But you know accents are tough when in getting jobs. I think people need to have frank conversations with them and lay it out and like you know this is likely the most important skill you can learn. <laughs> and you know, yeah, I think it's also important to point out that you don't necessarily have to take a college course or have to go to four years of college to adjust your language and to start learning how to speak um, more, I guess, I don't know, I, I don't know if correctly is the right way, more like, what is it, Midland? More Midland? You know, just what is normal, yeah. you know, what, what people expect, what news announcers proper, speak proper like. Proper English. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't I don't even know, know that it's proper. We don't even use who and whom properly, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> which, which is true, but uh, it's understandable and it's not full of uh, a bunch of mispronunciations. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, it was a great call. We nice conversating with we, you. We appreciate <laughs> make, right, you making it, and we hope to hear from you again at 800-259-9231. And just to reiterate the message here, it's not that you shouldn't go to college. It's that you should be very judicious and very careful and very any thoughtful. Any purchase you make. Right. right. And I think I think a, high, a good high school education is the best thing you can have. A solid foundation is better than a weak foundation with a weak, you know, a wobbly four years added on top of it buyer beware and i think there are just a lot of buyers of college that they never even thought of being aware aware more on the way this is free talk live this is free talk live you can take control of the airwaves toll free 800-259-9231 sacl cai toll free line ian here with you and nick and Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then AMP up. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier. You'll find that it stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send us three bucks a month, and we take that money in, and we turn it around into getting the show on more radio stations, thereby spreading the message of liberty and freedom as far and as wide as possible. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com, and you can learn about some of the perks you'll get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, chat room form, and more. Uh, Once again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. Continuing with the phone calls, let's talk to Rob in Georgia on the amplifier line. Hello, Rob. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I want to talk about the uh, last caller talking about uh, the necessity for college, uh, going to college, and also uh, you kind of touched on um, speech patterns and dialect uh, English and accents and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are very important. I, actually, I agree with a lot of the things he was saying. I was, I was disagreeing with some of the things. I think that that college is very much – an individual thing. It depends upon. It does depend a lot upon your skill level. It depends upon your uh, ability um, to communicate. I did not finish college, hmm. uh, which most people who know me are rather surprised by, because I probably know more math than anybody who I personally know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a friend of mine. Well, except for one person, I do have one friend who is a PhD in math, and they know more math than me. But. Right. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, it, it does depend a lot on, on 
on kind of where you are. What I find, and I don't think that most, let's say for black people who, who grew up in a neighborhood where they speak very heavily accented English, um, for that sort of a person, you, they really don't get um, the, the loss of the accent from going to college. Hmm. What they get from going to college is that first job. What normally changes their accents, and I've known more than one person who's had this happen, what normally changes their accent is once they get that first job, they see what the other people around them who are being successful are doing. Mm -hmm. And then they start to change it. I mean, but I've known plenty of people who graduated from college who still have very little ability to communicate properly. I mean, they, mm. they just don't speak well. Yeah. Now, um, what, Rob, one thing I was thinking, and we were sort of talking about minorities and um, going to college and, and that kind of thing, is oftentimes uh, people who are in minority groups, whether it's uh, black or uh, whether it's women or whatever, is they'll... Um, I don't know if women are minorities, but go They're ahead. considered part of the minority. You know, uh, Most people in America, women? Sorry. I'm just contrary. I'm not here. saying that they're, in fact, minorities. Say political minority, because that's really kind of what we're talking about. Okay. So. Okay. They'll, they'll affect um, certain trappings of success in order to, um, you know, be successful. Uh, they'll drive nicer cars, and, and this is just a generalization. It's, you know, not true necessarily. Fake it till you make it? Yeah, fake it. They'll, they'll fake it till they make it. They'll, um, you know, the girls will be a little little tougher than a, than than they may, might normally be, or, or whatever. And do you think to, to some extent that um, the college might be a benefit to somebody who's in a political minority more so than just somebody, you know, just a, a white guy who wants to go out and get a job and, um, yeah. in a particular field? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think there's much any doubt in my mind that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, that college makes can make a lot of financial sense. It, it makes more financial sense for black people than pretty much any other group that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's definitely a value there. Um, but once again, it does depend somewhat on where you are. And, and it also depends on – and you also have to think about how you're going to go to college. I was actually speaking to uh, a friend just yesterday. It's a young guy. He's um, 19 years old, and he's going to college at a pretty expensive private school um, uh, but I, but he he has an offer to get a scholarship from a uh, I think it's Syracuse, and I told him that look, you should go to college for free if it is at all possible, unless you're going sure. to one of the very elite schools in a particular field where it can make you money. Then you know you should go to college for free. I say college to me is like buying a car; it's a financial decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you should start looking at this based on finance. You're, you're giving them money. They're giving you an education. It's a business transaction. You shouldn't really look at it in any sort of an emotional fashion. You should look at, okay, after five years, where am I going to be financially? Yeah. That's, really, that's really what college should be about. You know, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, in my mind, some of the majors that people were going to in college – really didn't make any kind of sense. You know, a, something like a history or sociology degree works <laughs> fine if you, if you have wealthy parents and you're just going to college so that you can learn about the world and becoming a cultured person. Yeah. Meet but if girls, you're going to college drink. from a working class family, you need, to, you need to major in something which is going to make you money. Yeah. That's a good point. I think a lot of people just get confused. They get caught up in the excitement of, uh, you know, they th they think that they can just go and get a degree in anything and that's somehow going to turn into a career for them. And it just doesn't work that way. 
college, to some degree, was kind of made for different sorts of people who actually are going now. You know, originally, university, you know, you go off to university because your parents are very wealthy. You're learning about the world. You're going to have the opportunity to travel around the world on your parents' money. You want to know something about it. That's kind of how it was made. I mean, that's, that's, that's the crowd it was made for when, when the entire university system and the method of going off to college and stuff, when all that stuff came about, you were, you were educating fairly well the children of wealthy people. Well, and once I, you got into a situation where you got working class people, that sort of model really doesn't work as well. So some of those majors just don't make sense for people in certain socioeconomic conditions. Well, I don't think academia has really adjusted itself to that reality because you still no. have a lot of college professors and people in high school education encouraging people to go and take a major like history or sociology because they think college is just about the, the for the joy of learning. When in reality, for somebody right uh, in a working you know in a working class family forking over tens of tens of thousands of dollars a year yeah. to go to college it's you know it's not a luxury you can afford to right. just and go and become an educated person and it makes sense the academics no don't understand that they live in this balloon of academia where they're not they don't actually have to exist in the real world oh absolutely and, and, and all it does is reinforce itself because when you major in a lot of these majors really what you're going to find out is the joy of working for the government i mean a lot of these majors are essentially like um essentially like multi-level marketing schemes. They're basically <laughs> teaching the next generation of teachers. It's true. You know, um, you know another thing that I was... Uh Shoot, I I lost my uh, after he said that uh, bureaucrat comment. I lost my thought. Excuse me. <laughs> that's all right. I think that uh, it's it's been an excellent conversation. And Rob, any other thoughts? No, that's all I had to say. Thanks for the call, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It it just amazes me the uh, the attitudes of some of the people in the world of academia. They really are completely oblivious uh, to what it's like. To live in the rest of the world, in the world where you actually have to be a productive member of the, you know, the economy in order to uh, to survive to some extent. Well, and I think another thing about college is it, um, and this was the thought that I was going to make, is it sort of hands learning to you on a silver platter. Um, you go and you sit in a room, whether mm-hmm. it's you know with a, a this is how you learn five hundred people or with. A, 25 people you go sit in a um, you know a classroom for 50 minutes or whatever and and then they they tell you this is the stuff you're going to learn and this is the stuff we're going to test you on and blah 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 Mm. but if for instance you're going for a history degree and and if i were to go back to school i would go for either an economics degree or a history degree because those are the two things in life that i'm kind of interested in i've talked to people who've uh, you know gone far in economics Uh, jason from sacral cai has a phd in economics and those people know a heck of a lot more than I do, so you know it essentially turned me off. Man, man, that seems like a lot of work. But you can t- self-educate on those subjects pretty well, and a lot of subjects you can self-educate on. Well, you don't want to go back to college for economics because they don't teach uh, Austrian economics at no. most colleges. No, they teach uh, you know Keynesian socialist ex- economics. Right. Right, and I think with history as well, I, you might be better off self-educating on it if you want to take a balanced <laughs> view of history right. and read, you know, books from different perspectives is what you should really do if you want to be well. And if you want to read Marx, then go to college. I've right. read I've read lots of history books, but at this point, well, I, I you know, I, I feel ever so slightly inadequate when it comes to history because I don't have a degree well, in that subject. Well, you know, I've read I've read Marx, I've read Che Guevara, I've mm-hmm. read um, Mein Kampf. I mean, I read all the significant literature even if I know I'm going to disagree with it because it's still a significant perspective. Somebody might whip it out on you. Yeah. You don't want to look uneducated. Yeah, and just to be well-versed in it, not mm-hmm. that you have to agree with it. But and the, you did that all on your own. Right, without having right. somebody try to push it on me when I wasn't interested. Or to tell you what it means. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right, so 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line still on the way. The results from uh, Julia's election here in Keene, New Hampshire, uh, as well as our, our co-host on Friday nights. Uh, we'll give you that and talk about the writers things. We didn't get to that. We still uh, we said we'd talk about it. The writing strike, which I guess, what are Americans going to do? I mean, Americans love their television. Aren't they going to get tired of all the reruns? Maybe the, maybe the American people are going to throw a hissy fit over this. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's certainly an interesting situation. And uh, we'll bring you some more details on that coming up in hour number three. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. So we roll into hour three. We go straight to the phones, to the amplifier line, unscreened. Who is this? This is the Christian Anarchist. I just got disconnected and dialed the amp line, came, got right through. Here you are. What's on your mind? I wanted to say a couple things about my Ron Paul video truck. You know, I told you that I'd put those two little screens in the back window to show Ron Paul videos. Yeah, whenever, and, your, whenever your truck is parked, uh, you're, it's constantly playing Ron Paul promotional videos. It's, it's a brilliant right. idea. Primarily the, the one that says... Uh, uh, Ron Paul, A New Hope. I, I like that one the best. That seems to be a, a real good video. All right. Anyway, well, I'm jealous. What are you I jealous saw, of? I saw on Google a guy who's got a better Ron Paul video truck. Oh, no. He's got a 46-inch plasma screen that he's got on hinges in the back of the truck that pops up, and then he's got a inverter and, uh, like, four deep-cell batteries back there to power Jeez. it. So, I mean, he's got a heck of a Ron Paul truck, so now I'm going to have to probably try and upgrade my truck. So um, you've got Ron Paul uh, t- <laughs> video truck people competing with each other to see who can have the baddest-ass truck, basically, right? Yeah, I think so. But you know what? I was going to, before I even saw that on Google, I was going to call you guys and say, I'll bet you any money that there's other people doing similar ideas to mine right. uh, somewhere in this country, across the country. There you go. Not only that. But I'll bet you there's quite a few people doing similar things. Just well, we great minds do think alike, they say. But here's the other thing, the other point I wanted to make. I'll hmm. bet you there's not a Rudy Giuliani video truck anywhere <laughs> in the country. I bet there isn't. You no know, doubt. The, or, he's just not motivating people like Ron is. What would they yeah. show? I mean, a, a video of him talking about terrorism, terrorism, terrorism? Yeah, <laughs> well, there's nothing out there for Rudy. There's nothing out there for, for Hillary. That's There's all he's no got. He's got one note. I mean, that's all he talks about is 9-11 mm-hmm. and terrorism. Yeah, there just isn't any competition at all out there. So, uh, how, about um, that, uh, how about that fundraising total yesterday, Gene? I mean, over $4 million in 24 hours. Is that, uh, is that not incredible? That was fantastic. I put my money in at 2.30 in the morning because I wanted to jump in there early. Mine was in and, late. Uh, I put mine in about 20 minutes. I, I thought I was going to be able to do it during the show, but it was just too busy, so I loaded it up at about 11.40 at night. Uh, so I helped him push over $7 million. Yeah. 
It felt well, good. Um, I felt I was actually really excited. And I mean, the Ron Paul campaign has been pretty darn cool so far and, and really amazing. But yesterday was one of the most, I think, exciting days in, in the history of at least recent American politics within the last couple of decades. Uh, it was it was a really amazing feeling to be part of that. And then today I was uh, parked. Well, I was just getting in my truck outside of Wally World, mm-hmm. Walmart, mm-hmm. and uh the guy, a uh, real estate guy that we've done some business with in the past, and I've talked to about Ron Paul, he pulls up to me in his truck, and he says, I'm voting for your man, Ron Paul. Excellent. And I said, and I said uh, oh, did you hear about the uh, total he made yesterday? No, he didn't hear that, but mm. he, he heard something else on, the, on one of the programs, and he decided that Ron Paul was going to get his vote. And Superb. So it, it's spreading, and if you'll notice today's totals on the uh, Ron Paul website, are better. Uh, they're bigger than any day last week. I thought there'd be a drop off, you mm-hmm. know, because everybody's saving up for the fifth, and so I figured, well, the sixth is going to be a pretty poor day. The sixth is is a better day than any day last week already. It's amazing. And so it is snowballing, and it's uh, it, it's not going to stop now. Fantastic. I mean, the ideas are infective, uh, infectious, and they're wonderful. And of course, of course, they're going to be popular, and of course, they're going to spread. Now it's just a matter of hoping that enough uh, people turn up at the Republican primary to actually make it work. Yep. And a week ago, uh, a week from Saturday, I was out on the corner with my Guy Fox outfit, my <laughs> beef for Vendetta outfit, with a sign for Ron Paul. In fact, you can see that on the Memphis Meetup group. They got some pictures. Very of that cool, there. Gene. Keep up the good work, man. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I mean, before we that, move on, any it just other goes Ron to Paul show comments? how many people are um, you're just excited about Ron Paul. It's 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 worth being excited about. It's an unprecedentedly successful and amazing campaign. I did want to know when they were talking. We were talking. I had a caller talking about the national polls and why he wasn't doing so well. And I didn't get to squeeze it out before the break, but. Um, Really, looking at the national polling, it it, it it's count, it it leads you in the wrong direction. In New Hampshire, he's at 7.4 in one of the recent mainstream polls. Mm-hmm. In he's at two percent nationwide, and in Iowa, I think he's at four or five percent. So in some of the early states, he's pulling well ahead of the national average because that's where he's campaigning. So sure. when you take a but- national average. It's very deceptive. Right, national poll doesn't matter right now. What matters right. is doing well in New Hampshire or doing well in Iowa. And he's doing pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. all you if you just want to look at, for a real example of how well he's doing, look at the fundraising numbers. The fact is, unpopular candidates, they can't raise money. The popular ones, I mean, and, and even the ones that seem to have fundraising, like Mitt Romney, when you actually dig in, you find out it's right. corporations and him loaning himself money. So, I mean, there's really nothing there. Right, he's writing a check. Right, whereas Ron Paul's average donation is like 40 bucks, so he's actually getting money from regular Americans. And that's... Pretty special. 800-259-9231. Oh, speaking of campaigns. So the numbers have come back from the local uh, campaign here in Keene, New Hampshire, where one of our co-hosts on the program, Julia, my girlfriend, was running for city council uh, in uh, one of the wards here in, in Keene, New Hampshire. And we did get the results from the election tonight. The good news is she got more votes than she got in the primary. And that um, the primary, she hadn't done any campaigning. After that, she had done some level of campaigning. But we actually had to cut off our campaigning. The, the main 
the main thing we were doing for the campaign was handing out these little quarter page flyers. Sure, that, that had been all printed up with the um, you know information on how she was going to give away her paychecks to uh, you know right. one lucky voter in, right. in in the particular ward. And you and Toby sat here one Tuesday night and spent like a an hour slapping magnets on these flyers so we could take them around and put them on people's mailboxes mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And uh, now they're all still sitting over there because they're essentially contraband at this point because they, they make the promise about giving away the paychecks that, as we talked about on Saturday night, the New Hampshire Attorney General threatened Julia with up to seven years in prison for making that promise. And so, therefore, we couldn't go around and hand those things out to people after we'd already essentially rescinded that offer. So they sort of put a crimp in the campaign. Uh, but nonetheless, I don't think it would have made a difference because the incumbent won with 629 votes compared to Julia's 183 votes. So the incumbent nearly doubled, uh, maybe o- more than doubled his vote total from the primary, and Julia only got an- another dozen or so votes. So not a very good turnout. It, was, or it wasn't it was a good turnout in general. I think there was only like 18% turnout at the polls. And Which Julia. is big for a local election around here, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good, I, I suppose. But the fact is, the people that would have would have voted for Julia, the people that told her they would vote for her, we stood out there all day long, and they didn't show up. Yeah, you know, and and but another thing, another victory here that uh, you haven't uh, gone across is in the other four wards. Nobody, the incumbent sat at home and smoked cigars because nobody ran against them. Yeah, that's true. Um, for sixty dollars and some of your time, you know, maybe maybe and a little more. And this goes on in that. your city too. Incumbents right. are frequently they just walk right back into office. For sixty bucks, you got a bunch of uh, you got a bunch of news coverage. You managed to get more people out to vote than voted because um, Ward Four had more voters than any other ward, and normally it doesn't necessarily. So people got mm-hmm. out to vote in this particular election, and you made a race. There's um, and and I'd say that. And of itself is a victory. And, and it was her first one ever. They do say that you're supposed to run like a couple or three times before you actually have a chance at winning. They, I mean, the political people say that, but, you know, still it is disappointing. The fact that you do go around and you find people who sound like they're going to vote for you and then they don't even, you know, they don't even show up. The, 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 the trick is getting these people... Like the Ron Paul people, they're getting excited. They're getting activated. There's no doubt that the Ron Paul people are going to show up and vote. How do you do that at a local level? How do you get? How do you generate that level of excitement at a local level? How is that possible? Well, I think that local elections have a problem um, that you know national elections don't. In that people think a national election is more important. They it shows up on their radar screen as more important. When it may or fact, may not be. When in fact a local election is likely more important. Most. Uh, taxpayers here in Keene are going to pay more in property taxes to the local government than they're going to pay to the national government. Maybe true. 1-800-259-9231. So those are the raw numbers. Maybe we can analyze it a little bit more on the way here and uh, take your calls about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. Perhaps you've had some experience running local campaigns, maybe as a candidate or as a campaign manager, and maybe you've experienced things similar to us, and maybe you've been successful. Share your stories. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The feature's there for free, so enjoy those on us, including the live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version both, waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. 
Do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money or the credit to buy one? MyPCCredit.com is your answer. Finance top quality, new computers, and laptops, and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones to talk to Rich in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hey, guys. Um, good show tonight. I wanted to uh, let you know I voted tonight. I live in a town called Canterbury, Connecticut. Okay. We have about an 80% voter turnout in this town out of about 5,000 people. Wow. Why? Wow. I'm, so, I'm so proud to live here, and you guys totally inspired me. I opened up a website called freenorwich.com. <laughs> I ran a little talk show last night, um, and the people who showed up uh, took the election over. And again, historically, we have about 80% turnout the last couple of years. I don't know what it is tonight, but uh, we are very involved. Everybody cares here. I want to thank you guys. You've inspired me. We've started something up here in Connecticut. And, wow. Uh, That's fantastic. I'm, I'm at freenorwich.com right now. I like the uh, the logo, the hand, uh, the fist, and breaking the, the, the handcuffs. Very cool. Very cool. So, uh, so now, wait a minute. What did you do exactly that changed the election? It, it wasn't your website, was it? I think we definitely had some influence. It's a small town, about 5,000 people. Right. I think that probably equates to about uh, 2,000, 2,500 voters or so. Uh, we, uh, inspired by you guys, uh, we have a forum. We talk about uh, the pol- politics, the candidates. Uh, I'm a libertarian by nature now because of you guys and your influence. Thank you very much, or at least opening my mind to uh, make my own decisions and not be a party guy. That's fantastic. How are you uh, promoting your, uh, your website around town? Uh, word of mouth, for the most part. And our local newspaper shut down their forums. That was the Norwich Bulletin, and we kind of filled that vacuum hmm. where people could talk free and uh, not be censored. And even the BS gets to stay up on the boards. If you want to lie, go ahead. But uh, if it can't be backed up, well, if it can't be backed up, right. we'll assume it's not true. Excellent. Why, why do you suppose there's such uh, participation in, in Norwich? Um, it's actually Canterbury. Norwich is the big town near us, but okay. uh, Canterbury being my smaller town. Got it. We care. Everybody's involved here. There was a lot of animosity, a lot of fighting for a while, which I think is a positive thing because it gets people to the polls. Mm-hmm. And I stand up proud and say I'm from Canterbury, and we have 80% of our people show up to vote compared to your 16% in Keene. And if people cared a little bit more, Julia would have been up tonight. Yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't for lack of coverage. I mean, Julia, my girlfriend, running for city council, she has had two front-page uh, newspaper articles. One of them came out on a Sunday. The other one came out on a Monday morning. And that one and, went nationwide. Right. I mean, it's there have been so much coverage. She's been interviewed on television, on radio, multiple times. She has. I mean, there's been no there's been no lack of coverage, but yet nobody was excited. Um, nobody it's turned out. And, and it's shameful. And I'm proud of my neighbors, and I wish you could say the same about yours. Obviously, you're proud of whoever came out and voted one way or the other. I'm I'm wondering if maybe she wasn't radical enough. I'm wondering if maybe that's what the problem was. Maybe she should have been more radical than she was. I don't know. I'm, I'm armchair quarterbacking this. It's the the, uh, the initial night of the returns. We just got the numbers in. I'd love to hear what other people would think about how they would have done things differently, because I'm certainly no expert at running these campaigns. Well, it's and a lot of it's just luck. I'm afraid. I, I think she was probably plenty radical. It was just it might have just been a message. You know, you could have been edgier without really changing, making well, the message more radical. 
And, and the expectation you, know. you have is high, Ian. Right. Um, you know, let me be perfectly frank. We are um, here in Keene, New Hampshire, which is right on the Vermont border, and there are a great deal of Democratic influences. Sure. Democrats run sort of the politics here in town. You have to be a very special Republican to win in this town. Um, and the... You know, how many free staters are in Keene now? I don't know, a handful. Uh, yeah, a handful. Right. Uh, but you, you know, the, the, it's, it, it's just, it's not time yet, Ian, that's all. Well, and, and to, not to mention that Julia ran on pretty close to an almost an anarcho capitalist platform. I mean, privatized the fire department. To say privatize the fire department in Keene, New Hampshire, and still manage to pull in about 20% of the vote on your first time around is, in my book, not not a bad showing. Okay. All right. Well, but but that's you know that's my analysis. Good. Of it. I mean that's what I'm looking for. You know, right. people who who know a, a thing or two about being here and then actually have something uh, valuable to put into uh, the Question conversation. Before you let me go. Yeah. I've been considering getting into one of these parties, um, infiltrating so to speak, although I'm wide out in the open. Would you recommend getting into a party and changing from within, or yes. sticking to this uh, independent third-party freethinker stuff? You know, it's such a tough question. I it mean, depends on what office you're going to run for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, if you're running for local office, then I don't recommend getting involved in any political parties because they're nonpartisan usually. Not, local, not necessarily. Local some, some are. And if you look at who won the mayoral uh, races here in town and the and the primaries, you'll see that it was in fact the two candidates that were backed by the um, Republicans and the Democrats. Those were the candidates that won. Um, one independent candidate did, or you know, a guy that was essentially a Democrat but didn't get the backing of the Democrats. Mm-hmm. He did very well, but. You know he didn't win, so I think that right. uh, it's it's worth something. The people in a local political party—I don't know—in um, uh, what was it, Cambridge? I'm s- what was Canterbury. Canterbury. Um, in, in Canterbury, 5,000, you know, the local Republican Party probably has a turnout of 10 or 15 people at it, but. Those ten or fifteen people um, have husbands and wives, and those all those people are going to vote if they're going to show up for a Republican Party meeting. Now, are are you getting enough um, good small government people coming from kind of an independent um, viewpoint that are they're running for office that you guys are competitive in in a number of offices? You know what? At this level, the difference between the parties is so insignificant it would blow your mind. Right, um, but I, I'm just Demo- I, I'm talking about just specifically people who want to see you know smaller government on the local level, not necessarily which you know whether they identify with the R or the D. Actually, interesting, great question. Um, our last uh, selectman before this election was a completely independent party, nonpartisan. He lost this time, but his platform was no politics, no parties. Let's do what's best for the town. And he was, to my observation, trying to shrink government. And it was a great message. And I actually donated it to his campaign. Yeah, sounds like a good message. I, I don't have an answer for you. I mean, if you think you can go in and infiltrate and take over or influence them from the inside, you can try it and see how it goes. You know, you might fail miserably and then you'll know better. I, you know, good luck and let us know what happens, okay? And keep, uh, keep up the good work. We're glad uh, we're inspiring some people to, to get out there and get active in whatever way is, uh, they feel is right. Thank you for the call. And how about that Ron Paul thing? I know you've said it ten times, but I'm so proud of what went mm-hmm. on. It's mind-bending. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really the libertarian fantasy coming true. It's, this is the big one, baby. It, it really is. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. So whether you want to comment on uh, the situation with Julia, of course, she's, um, she's not on the show tonight to, to comment on this. And I know she's, she's training for a new uh, position at her job. 
So I don't know when we'll actually be able to really dig into this with her. Maybe we can get her over here at some point. Well, you know, like Julia said, uh, both of both positions are winning. Um, you know, she we won the media. I mean, we won the media war. I mean, she got all the coverage. And and now she doesn't. She isn't obligated to go to all those uh, city meetings. Although sure. and she gave him a good run, and and you know. and we'll still spread the message of liberty for the next two years, and get, you know, give it another try. Maybe it's just that maybe her message was radical enough, but people just didn't understand it. You know, maybe they maybe they even though she got a lot of coverage, it wasn't necessarily about her ideas as much as it was just what makes her an unusual candidate, that sort of thing. So maybe we need to work on spreading liberty a little bit more. More on the way. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where the features are totally free. Updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You know first, if you're on the list, updates.freetalklive.com. We'll get you there. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And the Liberty Dollar Silver Round is as beautiful as the ideals it represents. It's America's second most popular currency, with 20 million Liberty Dollars in circulation, among 100,000-plus people using it on a daily basis. Go to LibertyDollar.org, stop using their money, and start using the Liberty Dollar, and return America to value one dollar at a time. LibertyDollar.org. You know, we've been talking about Ron Paul, and, um, you know, I have a little rumor about uh, the Liberty Dollar and Ron Rumors? Paul. What? Yes, a little rumor mongering here. Can't can't reveal any sources. Okay. But, uh, you know, Bernard von Nothaus, uh, the guy who, uh, you know, the, the architect, the, the, mo- creator? the, monetar- yeah, yes. the monetary architect of uh, the Liberty Dollar, you know, he used to work for the U.S. Mint and uh, has a lot of uh, experience in this area. And my understanding is, is that it's likely that, uh, you know, if Ron Paul wins, that could tap Bernard for uh, Secretary of Treasury. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know what it, what he would do. I mean, you know, they're abolish <laughs> the Federal Reserve. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm sure they would uh, work on that. Yeah, neat. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, let's go to the phones to the fun talk to Dave in Ontario. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Dave. Uh, hi. Uh, hey. Yeah, I was just here to. Uh, I decided I'd discuss the topic of politics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while I was on hold here, I heard of a. Uh, this thing, this Xanadu thing, it was talking about how the United States was in the worst debt of its entire history. Uh, I was just wondering, what about what about the uh, the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression? I mean, does that not have anything towards today? I, I don't know what the claims that they make in, in their commercial. We do not uh, you know, necessarily back those. Um, and I, the United States, uh, what they're referring to is the government being in debt. And, uh, yeah, sure, that we're a much larger... You know, from a uh, monetary standpoint, you know, numbers of dollars in debt than we ever were in the thirties. A lot more wars since then, right? And I don't know if the thirties really were that much. We had that much in debt. It was just that we didn't have any economic growth. Right, the economy wasn't right trucking along. Um, So, and from what I've seen, I mean, you're in Ontario. I mean, you've seen what's happened to our our dollar in relation to yours in the last uh, couple months, even. Um, yeah, it, it kind of nice. kind of, uh, shows me that our dollar is in a bad state right now. But oil just hit $97 a barrel today, another record. It did, and I think we just hit a new low for this last downturn against the Canadian dollar. We hit 
Um, a dollar U.S. only buys 92 cents Canadian. Right. I like think that. the pound's at a uh, record high as yes, well. Yes, and um, the euro hit an all-time record high. Hello. Hi. Hey. Dave? I just have uh, one more thing I just wanted to ask you guys. <laughs> uh, what do you think's better, uh, personally, just personal matter, uh, you think that Canada fucking rocks? Thanks Whoa. for the call. 800-259-9231. I know that you're not supposed to say that on the airwaves. Uh, 800-259-9231. So we'll move right along and talk about the uh, the writing situation. This uh, Writers Guild of America, mm. the union, there's a strike. I'm sure people in, that are really consider television important are very upset about this because it means a lot of reruns. And Andrew Fisher over at the writers, I would I would think that they've already made um, the the TV shows that they're going to uh, show this week, even if they do go if they are on a strike or do go on strike or whatever. So it wouldn't be quite some time from now, and they could just work into a different season. I wouldn't think that this is affecting TV yet. They did primetime stockpiled a lot of um, episodes, but I know that the late night TV hosts, uh, late night comedy shows, those are dated, written fresh they're, every they're day, day to day, yeah. and yeah. they're on reruns now. So here's the story from Andrew Fisher at LouRockwell.com. On Monday, one of Hollywood's protectionist show business cartels, the Writers Guild of America, WGA, went on strike. One would think that these generally talentless hacks would be embarrassed to belong to an organization so named, let alone take good money for the habitually putrid crapola they create. A negotiator Jeez. observed publicly last Friday that working industry writers, on average, earn over $200,000 a year receive high-quality health benefits, and are among the few employees in the world who get an additional annuity in the form of residual payments. Yet these great contributors to modern literature, craftsmen who have brought us such classics as Showgirls and Walker, Texas Ranger, Bitter, Table for One, and any soap opera ever produced, are actually taking to the streets and handing out flyers, explaining why they should be paid a bigger price of the DVD internet pork pie when it comes to movie and television show profits. Now, writers have always been treated like dirt in Hollywood, and I do sympathize in this regard. Their screenplays are usually considered mere blueprints to be modified at will, and the directors get all the glory. Naturally, this is unpleasant for any writer with a brilliant vision who's created something worthwhile. But considering what the industry typically generates, action films, dopey sitcoms, which I like a good action film, uh, dopey sitcoms, chick flicks, etc., any writer living in L.A. must surely know the score. Showbiz producers and executives can be quite effective when it comes to mangling scripts, so this doesn't help, but anyone writing episodes of Women's Murder Club can hardly complain when they add, she looks at him with lust in her eyes to the stage directions of his serious work of art. It's an odious little system. Writers aren't supposed to write on spec. That means speculation. This means a producer isn't allowed to say, hey, Fisher, we're looking for a Baywatch ripoff that takes place in the center of the earth. Go write a screenplay. <laughs> hey, that'll sell. Go write a screenplay and maybe we'll pay you for it. Instead, according to the WGA schedule of minimums, the writer currently gets a minimum of $25,599 to write a treatment, which is a detailed synopsis, and then 22000 more for a first draft, etc., this is called scale. It's the guild minimum. It may work nicely for members of the cartel, but an unknown writer without an agent will be conveniently excluded from this arrangement. Thus, the WGA protects its members and their livelihood from outsiders, just like any cartel. This way, a few very lucky people, often friends and relatives of industry insiders, are able to earn a nice, easy living, while others, perhaps more talented people, are prevented from earning a single dollar. 
By it's the way, it's just a union, though. This isn't a cartel. It's a, yeah, I mean, this is just how unions work. And if they don't have the uh, the you know if they don't have the government backing them up, and I don't know whether they do or not. And by that I mean uh, you know some law that says you have to use these union members. Well, it's no. I don't think there's a law necessarily, but they're certainly they're very entrenched in the but, industry. Right. But that's that's just a market force. They're just a right. trade standard. If there's a good old boys network, then that's fine and dandy. I mean, you know, the the fact is, they're if a group of writers. If they have the, enough clout when they get together and they can, um, you know, they show solidarity in their movements. I don't have any problem with that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Uh, anyway, let's continue. They, he says, uh, so some some writers are prevented from earning a single dollar. However, newcomers will essentially write on spec anyway, arriving in Los Angeles in droves every year, a sure. bucket full of scripts in hand, almost all of them amateurish and lame. If they manage to see an agent and he likes their ideas, some newbies might in fact get lucky. Note that when such a script is sold, it typically doesn't matter how well it's written. If the idea seems highly commercial, a newbie screenplay might be bought at scale and then passed on to other writers for a second draft. Just for fun, if you can find the original Alien screenplay on the web, you'll be amazed at how puerile and laughable it is. It still astounds me that it was ever sold, especially since it was a blatant steal of 1958's It, The Terror from Beyond Space. Note that once you sell a script, you must join the WGA immediately, or the sale will be canceled. If you decide to be a scab and sell something during a writer's strike, after it's over, you'll be denied membership in the WGA, and for all intents and purposes, any future sales. Unless, if memory serves, you pay back what you earn, plus uh, plus an extra 10% to the WGA, not the producer. And now that's the contract that they've uh, managed to put together with uh, the movie uh, companies is that uh, presumably yeah. that that in fact, if they you know, if the person decides not to join the union that uh, you have to drop the script. Presumably. I mean, eventually new new media is going to change all the rules here, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, uh, continuing, apparently showbiz writers are afraid of competition, or perhaps are dimly aware that almost anyone can compose much of the drivel for which they're so handsomely paid. To prove it, watch any soap opera and write down a few pages of dialogue. Notice how pathetic it looks on paper. See if you can edit and improve it. I'll wager that if you received at least a B in high school English, you can do better. Now you know why there's a writer's guild. Your spinster aunt could write this awful, and she'd be happy to do so for a fraction of the WGA minimum. A little bit more on this and your thoughts as well. Are you a TV person who is very upset about the fact that you won't be able to watch any fresh programming for a little while? I'd love to hear from you, 800-259-9231. Though I doubt it, because if you're listening to radio, you're probably not that much of a TV person. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 1-800-259-9231. Only moments remain, and you can bring up, again, anything. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. 41 categories to shop in new and used items. Of course, the holiday season is pretty much upon us at this point. Good time to start looking around at uh, maybe things that you want or maybe things that other people want, but Amazon's a great place to go and get them. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter that li- uh, through that link, and we get a cut. As we uh, continue, just the last few thoughts from Andrew Fisher at LouRockwell.com. On the Writers Guild of America and their current strike, now, 
He's pointing out and he's calling the writers, uh, the writers Guild a cartel. You know, they're there to protect their guild members. You can't do business in Hollywood if you aren't a member of the Writers Guild. If you sell a script to a producer, you immediately have to join the Writers Guild and that sort of thing. And he uses he he goes on with his story here. He says, in a free marketplace, of course, none of this would exist, which is questionable because. We none of us know of any laws that enforce these writers guild rules. I mean, no, none of us are aware of such things. I'm not aware of no. them. No, I don't know if they exist. He doesn't mention in the article that they exist. So presumably, we do have a relatively open marketplace in the world of film production. It's just that the Hollywood crew has essentially, well, they've been in total control of it for the last several decades. Yeah, they've locked it in. It's slowly slipping from their grasp, of course. Uh, and I think we're going to see some major changes in, in a, a new openness in that particular marketplace sooner rather than later. But I don't know if there's really any government involvement here, though I know the government is stepping in with this negotiation with these negotiations. There's like federal negotiators uh, stepping in here. So at some level, government is involved with unions and the laws that it, that um, that give them a little bit more power than perhaps they should have. And I'm not a union expert, so I can't really ex- explicate what those might be. So if you know more, would love to hear from you. But anyway, he says, folks would register their scripts more cheaply than the $20 the WGA charges, since there would be competition, and send them to producers who would simply make monetary offers to their creators. Naturally, there would be some thievery, but that's always been going on. He says, a novel I was lucky enough to see published 30 years ago had 17 plot and character elements borrowed by a brainiac who used them in his own novel. I later found a newspaper story stating the author liked to read novels during his train ride to work and that he combined some of them into his own. Hmm. Oh, this person just happened to be a lawyer, and the one I consulted informed me he knew what he was doing. The similarities are just a wee bit tenuous uh, just a wee bit tenuous to file a lawsuit. In the open market, a great screenplay by an unknown talent might command a lot more money than it does now, while all the inane junk would command far less than the current scale. As in any free market, equilibrium would automatically settle in, and the goods in question, in this case written words, would fetch what the market deems their worth, and not the arbitrary minimums that are demanded by the WGA cartel. Whenever a market is freed, these always emerge. More, better, and cheaper. No, he's wrong, I think. Um, I think the inane junk is what's being demanded by the market. I don't think it, that the Writers Guild just intentionally turns it out because they're all incompetent and they have some kind of a lockdown on it. I mean, it might it might lead to slightly less high-quality writing, but I think soap operas, real, like crappy television series, that's those are where ad dollars go. There, there's a market for that. That's There's always going to be people writing shows like that because people tune in and they want to watch that. So I think that's I, a good I point. I think he's blaming this on the writers. The viewers watch that. Cause Chicken it's, or yeah. the egg. Chicken yeah. or the egg, there's right? This is... Of, a, this is an argument that has been argued forever about uh, media. Yeah, and there's plenty of high-quality entertainment as far as, you know, more cerebral shows that you can watch. Usually, they're not that popular. They, yeah, with that they go ju- off the air. With the average public, you know? That is true. You know, is it chicken or the egg? Is it that the public is really just that dumbed down and I, that's the, the crap they're looking for? I don't know if they're dumbed down. It's just entertainment. I don't know if people are really looking for for greatness in their, tele- you but know, if the, their television. But if the population series. is dumbed down, and that is the goal of the government uh, education system, is to create essentially two classes of people, the average worker class and then the elite class, if indeed the population has been dumbed down, then wouldn't it make sense, I guess, that that would be the kind of programming that they would get? It would. I don't know if I'm necessarily looking at it from that 
direction, though. I think you can be a fairly intelligent person and still just have poor taste in television, which I think is what <laughs> happens in America. And if you look, I at do like, like a good movie where things go boom. <laughs> well, if you look at a Spanish soap opera, granted you can't really understand it that much, but it seems a lot more ludicrous and a lot worse than an American. How how great can you make a soap opera that's out five? I don't know, get to see a lot of American soap operas, <laughs> but uh, they have the uh, gals in their uh, soap operas, you know, strapped in some uh, pretty pretty. Uh, Cool get-ups, I must say. Hey, you should check out the the uh, the Hispanic weather girls. <laughs> I they know post- how to they know how to sell some weather, huh? Dude, you won't believe it. I posted uh, some of the the some YouTube videos of this chick. I think she works for it's not Univision, it's uh, Univision. Uh, it's Mundo something or other. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Whatever the other major uh, Hispanic. Telemundo? Telemundo. Telemundo might be it. Yeah. But um, and she comes down in these just skimpy outfits. <laughs> She's 22 years old or whatever, and she's given the weather. She, she, she has a meteorology degree? Uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. Well, they actually have a naked news uh, in Russia. Gosh. Really? A completely naked, well, people stripping during the news broadcast. And we're t- we went from uh, bemoaning how there's uh, this inane television out there to talking about inane yeah. television yeah, well, that we like. People would watch. And, you know, I have to say, there's some really good um, TV series that I watch on, you know, there's the Showtime Network has some really good series yes. that I watch. And... You know, it's a pay station. That's I think that might be where the future is. If you want the better TV, you pay more. That's I good think point. that's I think that's just what it is. A basic cable station like ABC, daytime TV, it's not going to be great television because it's not worth writing great works for it. Any thoughts on this? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So let's go to the phones. I don't know if this. I don't know what government level. What level of government is involved here? If you are a writer and you know more, would love to hear from you. But in the meantime, we go to the amp line. It's Sam in Texas. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, Ian. Uh, sorry, I'm, I think I'm going to have to leave you to uh, join Mark's minimalist viewpoint or a minarchist government. I talked to my dad today, and uh, there was a vote in Texas that he went to. Now he went at six o'clock, and the polls closed at seven. Okay. So guess how many people were in line? Um, none. Yeah, none. He was the tenth person to vote. <laughs> oh today. my God! But it's not, you know, it's not that that big of a deal. He lives kind of in this far out of the way place in uh, downtown Austin, and the polling <laughs> oh center is directly across the street from the Capitol building. Oh God! But it's wow! Not like, it's not like they were voting on, you know, anything all that important. It was just uh, either sixteen or eighteen amendments to the Texas state constitution. Oh my God! Jeez. That's incredible. <laughs> so uh, you sound like you're being facetious about the whole switching to, to minarchy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, so what does this leave you with? What do you mean by that? Well, what does it what does it how does it what does it make you think about uh, you know I mean for, for you're saying that obviously being a uh, free marketeer makes perfectly good sense because twelve okay, people so- voted for the changes in the constitution. Yeah, and you know that is just one polling center, but it is a pretty important one, right? I would, I would absolutely concur that what you're talking about, uh, you know, shows that there's some real problems with yeah. uh, people's participation in our government. So, so Mark, if you take the government down to a minimalist um, stance, I guess, or size, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't have an impact on people's lives, aren't they going to care even less about you know what goes on? Look at look at what freedoms are taking away today. And if you were to shrink it down, people are not really going to pay attention to it. And what's going to stop it from regrowing back Growing to again. what it is today? 
Well, um, and, and I would counter with you. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and the points you're making are entirely valid. What I would counter um, you with is that essentially, in order to uh, to see a free marketeer revolution, uh, uh-huh. you and, and and have it be bloodless. You would have to get all those people that didn't vote to care. I don't know about that. That's not. You don't necessarily have to get them to vote because there is. There has to be a way to change things without using the no, system. No, no. I didn't say that they had to vote. I said they had to care. Okay. And they don't clearly. Right. And they're likely not going to care any more about uh, you know adopting an idea of small government through free marketeerism than they You're are right. going to the poll yeah. and voting um, for or against what you know whatever small government aspect of this uh, changes to the right when they Texas see Lauren Canario get arrested for not showing her papers they get angry about it instead of actually getting interested Mark, right. if a if a vocal minority could implement government couldn't a vocal minority undo it I don't see how. Government's power. Um, well, you had 10 people at that polling station. With 11 people, you could have voted not to expand any government powers that day. I mean, you're, you're looking at it from the point of view that not that many people care. But in, mm-hmm. that, in that circumstance, if the voting public is only a couple percent of the overall public, you have actually a, a much smaller battle to fight in terms of finding people who agree with you and getting them to the polls. So, it, I mean, in, in a sense... You, you have a better shot at, yeah. at changing the, well, the results. Which may be why the political solution could be effective here in New Hampshire if enough liberty-oriented people move here and get active to where they can really affect the results of these things. But until then, we're going to keep having these dismal turnouts like you saw there and like we saw here in Keene uh, tonight. Thanks for the call, Sam. We appreciate it. It has been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. We're still trying to figure out how to get back to liberty. We'll work on it. See you tomorrow night in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.